Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. So great to be with our friends again, the, the Sawyers. We, we have just fallen in love with them. They are just our best friends. And it's so good to be with them and their precious family. And to be back here at Calvary feels like we're coming home. Amen. Bless God. Bless God. Now lift your hands way high. Lift your head. Lift your voice. And begin to give Him praise. Begin to give Him glory. Begin to give Him honor. Let this place be filled with your shouts of praise. Your deep-seated exaltation. The worship that flows out of your spirit. Lift your voices a little louder. As you worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's cultivate the atmosphere for the presence of God to show up. Hallelujah. 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 God, we release your miraculous healing power. We release the anointing that destroys yokes of bondage. We release the power of the Holy Spirit that defeats every measure of opposition in the name of Jesus. We bind the works of the enemy. I said we bind the works of the enemy. We bind the works of the enemy. And we loose the power of God in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To God be the glory and the praise and the honor. Clap your hands and shout to the Lord. remember and I could have but I cannot remember that I have so spent so much time in preparation for this weekend as I did this week or two behind her. Both my wife and I have prayed about this weekend with great anticipation because we realize that we can do nothing it's only God that can make it happen we are seeking more of the presence and the power and the glory of God and if it's of man we don't want it. 
If it's not of God, we don't need it. We want to see and experience a demonstration of the power and the presence of God. I want to take you this morning to the book of Amos. The short little book and the verse that I'm going to read is equally short. It's Amos chapter 9 verse 11. I'm going to give you a moment to get there, and I'm sure it's going to be on the screen. I'm going to use the New King James Version for this one, and then I'm going to repeat the same verse in the New Living Translation. Amos chapter 9 and verse 11. It says, On that day, I want everybody to say out loud, On that day. Say it a little louder. On that, day. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild it as it was in the days of old. I want to read that one more time. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David. Now, who is this speaking? Not Amos. It is God speaking through the prophet. And God is saying, there is coming a day that I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down and repair its da damages. I will, not I want to or I think I can. He says, I will. And when God says, I will, then you know it's going to will. I will raise up its ruins and rebuild build it as in the days of old. The New Living Translation says in that day I will restore the fallen house of David. I'll repair its damaged walls from the ruins. I will rebuild it and restore its former glory. What is God saying? He is saying the tabernacle of David was ruined. The walls were broken down. But I am going to rebuild it. At some point in time, I'm going to restore it to its former glory. Now this is truly one of the most amazing and most likely uh, unfamiliar verses in the Bible. It is a, a very short prophetic word, but it has huge significance and speaks to us louder in these days than ever before. 
in its core of this prophetic statement, it reveals to us God's amazing desire to restore the tabernacle of David. Now, most of us know about the tabernacle of Moses or the tabernacle in the wilderness, and many of us know of the temple of Solomon, but very few people seem to know the significance or, um, in the, for that case, anything about the tabernacle of David. And yet, this tabernacle, the tabernacle of David, is the one that God desires to see rebuilt. One of the first things David did when he came to the full rulership of Israel was to establish a place called Mount Zion. When, when he did that, he retrieved the Ark of the Covenant from where it was located at that particular point, and he brought it back to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, where he believed it belonged. You want to read that? You can read more about that in Second Samuel chapter 4, 5, and in particular chapter 6. Now, what is so important is that David cultivated and hosted the presence of God on Mount Zion. And this meager tabernacle is what God said he wanted to see restored. Now, my question would be, why did God desire to restore David's tabernacle and not the tabernacle of Moses, which was his first dwelling place built to divine detail? Or, or why didn't he even want to rebuild the temple of Solomon in all of its grandeur and extravagance? He, he, didn't, he didn't say he wanted to rebuild any one of them. He said, I am going to restore the tabernacle of David. What is, the, what is the significance of the tabernacle of David? Because the tabernacle of David, you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, was a simple tent. There was no instructions given how he should do it. It was no more than a tarp stretched over some tent poles to shield the ark from the sun and the elements. Yet God said, I want to restore that one. Why this unimpressive tabernacle? What does that have to do with you and me in 2019? Why did God want to restore a tent? That has no really form or structure. But then I have to remind myself that most of us have forgotten that God is not impressed by buildings. He is looking for relationship. 
So if you would, and I want to, I want to try and move over this pretty fast, and pardon me if I try and stay to my notes or else I will still be preaching tomorrow this time. So allow me to, to very briefly paint the picture for you and show you the significance of the restoration of David's tabernacle and especially what it means to you and me today. When God said through the prophet Amos, I am going to restore the tabernacle of David. It was not only that I am going to restore the tabernacle, but he specifically said there is coming a day. There's going to be a precise moment. That I am going to restore David's tabernacle. Now, knowing this and reading this, I need to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that really reflects to us a sign of the times. Most scholars and, and, and even, even uh, theologians uh, all agree that we are in the last days just before the coming of the Lord Jesus. And I want to say, even so, come quickly, Lord. Now, please listen to what Peter is saying in Acts chapter 19 and verse 31. He says, So that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, now please listen to this, whom heaven must receive until what? The times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now track with me this morning. And pardon the comparison, but this statement is saying that Jesus is literally being held hostage in heaven until all things that need to be restored have been restored. And when everything is restored that is supposed to be restored, God the Father would send Jesus back to this earth and I've got good news for you ladies and gentlemen there's not a lot of time left and therefore we've got to do all we can to present ourselves a holy sacrifice before God and when everything has been restored everything is completed is when the trumpet is going to sound and Christ shall return and the one thing God specifically said that he wants to see restored is the tabernacle of David. And there is a reason why. The reason why God wants the tabernacle of David restored is because it primarily has to do with prayer 
praise and worship that cultivates an atmosphere for his presence to show up. But there's more that's attached to this. But I want to say to you, ladies and gentlemen, you have to know that the very last thing that is being restored is going to be heavenly worship. Not worship of mankind, but worship that's ignited with fire from heaven. That's the final thing that is going to be restored. If you would go back to the tabernacle of Moses just for a moment and you see all the emblems that they had to go through. Finally, in the Holy of Holies, the final thing was what? It was the altar of incense, which is the type of worship and it was when the high priest stood there at the altar of incense that he would worship and they worship the incense will begin to fill the holy place and then it will fill the holy of holies and through heavenly divine worship somehow the high priest made his way through that heavy veil and came into the holy of holies where he met God in his presence and God spoke to him there. What is it that got him into the presence of God? It was worship. What is it that brought down the Shekinah glory? It was worship. What made God speak to him? It was worship. What brought it all about is worship, worship, worship. And that's why God is speaking to you and God is speaking to me and is calling us to reignite the flame of worship. Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Somehow, David captured something about the heart of God. Something that no one else seemingly was able to achieve. He, he was a God chaser. He, he, he was chasing the manifest presence of God. And from the first moment, he experienced the glory of God's presence. He found himself searching for it more than anything else in life. I want to tell you something, church. If you ever succeed in finding yourself in the felt manifest presence of God, not talking about emotion, I'm not talking about another thrill down your spine. I'm talking about if you find yourself in the real tangible presence of God, there are two things. Number one, you'll never forget it. Number two, 
you'll never be able to fully describe your experience. Your words fall short. You will try to explain it, and it will come out like, um, "Well, I, uh, but uh, well, I, it was just great. I, I, I'm trying to tell you, but." If you've really been in the presence of God, you'll never forget it. From that day onward, you will become a God chaser. From that day onward, you will become a man and a woman with a passion after the glory of God. Nothing else will satisfy. And how do we get there? How do we get there, ladies and gentlemen? Let me tell you the under The only way that you can get there is through divine, heavenly worship. That's ignited by the Holy Spirit that will take you to the place where you meet with God. If Pastor George could give it to you, he will. Pastor Phyllis could give it to you, she will. If I could give it to you, I will. But we cannot give it to you. We can help you. We can coach you. We can instruct you. But it's your ability and willingness to let go and let God. And allow the Holy Spirit to take you. It's through your Holy Spirit worship. Unrestricted. That will get you into the presence of God. That's where miracles happen. I better get back to my notes. I'm going to say more about that tonight. Tonight is going to be so powerful. But, But I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing that is more valuable than the tangible, felt presence of God. When I read all of this, I I come to the conclusion that David was never really comfortable with the tabernacle of Moses because there were too many restrictions. Not everybody could go in. It was only for certain people and certain nations. But he desired to build a habitation for God's glory where everybody would be welcome and have access to the presence of God. So when he had the opportunity of bringing the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, he grabbed that instance with all of his might. Just very briefly, as you most likely will remember, that the tabernacle of Moses and also the temple of Solomon were fenced in and uh, consisted of three distinct divisions or areas. The, The outer court, the holy place, And the holy of holies. And there was a huge thick heavy veil. That separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And behind this huge thick strong heavy veil. Positioned in the holy of holies. Was the ark of the covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represented the manifest presence of God. 
The Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box overlaid with pure gold on the outside and the inside. And act, acting as its lid was what we know today as the mercy seat, also covered with pure gold. On top of this lid were two cherubim made of gold with their wings outstretched facing each other. And the space between them on the mercy seat is where the blue flame of God's manifest presence appeared. And God said it's from there that he would speak to Moses. That's where he would speak to the high priest that would come to bring a sacrifice on behalf of all of the nation. Now of great significance is to note that the ark, the mercy seat, and the blue flame of God's presence were all hidden behind this heavy veil. The ark, the presence of God, the mercy seat, the blue flame of God's glory. They were all hidden behind the veil. And it was only the high priest that was allowed to get behind this veil. And that only once per year. That factually means he was the only one who was ever allowed to experience the Shekinah glory presence of God. He was the only one that could stand in the very presence of God. Everybody else had to remain outside and never could never see the ark or they could never experience the, the glory of God. The tabernacle of David, please listen to me, on the other side was different. It was an open tent. But it was the only tabernacle of them all that had no veil separation. No fence, no separations, no divisions. This meant that all who came close could see the ark. Everybody that came had access to God's glory. And now we can begin to see why the restoration of David's tabernacle was so important. In Moses' tabernacle... The high priest had to come after they have killed a lamb and took the blood of that lamb and put it on the mercy seat. There's, there was always the sacrifice of a lamb before he could go into the presence of God. But at the tabernacle of David, the only sacrifice was the sacrifice of praise. If you could praise, you could get there. I said, if you could praise. Well, well you're not getting there. I said, if you could praise, you can get there. You don't need to kill a lamb. You don't have to shed blood. All you have to do is, mm, I'm going to sacrifice, but my sacrifice is going to be a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? It means when I least feel like praising. 
is actually the time that I should be praising. It means when, when the mountain is too tall, then, then that is the time that I should be praising. And when I feel like I'm depressed and when I'm down, that's the time that I should be praising. I should not be praising when the sun is shining. I should be praising when the thunder is rolling. Oh, if you and I can come with a sacrifice of praise, we can come and we can praise and we can exalt and we can magnify. And as we praise, we can get closer and closer and closer. All I need is to be able to praise. Are there some praisers in this house this morning? I said, are there some praisers in this house? Come on, I, I sense the presence of God already. I sense the presence of God already. Are there some praisers here? sit down just for a little while. I've got to tell you the rest of the story. It's too powerful not to tell you. I'll try and hurry. But <laughs> I'm finding it hard to speak right now. of David came the passion to establish an order of worship that continued all through his reign. Singers and musicians were engaged to praise, to give thanks, to worship and prophesy before the ark for 24 hours a day. Seven days out of every week. 365 days of every year for almost 40 years. Worship could be heard from Mount Zion. If you got close to Mount Zion, you will hear nothing else but the sound of praise and prayer and worship. The kind of worship that connected to, to the worship of heaven. That was the reason God said, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. Psalm 132. And as a matter of fact, most of the Psalms that David wrote were wrote, written during the time of the tabernacle of David. That's why God liked David's tabernacle better than any other. It was an open 
tabernacle with unending worship with the blue flame of his glory never went out and and I, I, I want to say to you say to you like this it, it's mostly like that David was so excited about the tabernacle worship that, that when he woke up in the middle of the night and heard the anointed worship and joyful singing blended with the sound of cymbals and woodwinds, he slipped out from under the covers and with eager anticipation looked toward where the tabernacle was standing and could see the dancing feet that raised the hands and swaying bodies in the flick of the lamps and hear the voices of unrelenting praise and worship that was entering into heaven. I want to say, ladies and gentlemen, when God begins to move with his presence, it becomes indescribable. I'm going to tell you something real quickly. I loved it the last time. I loved it even more this time. While we were waiting to come in here, we are talking about this service and getting ourselves ready again I heard that exuberant intercessory prayer that was going on it so stirred me I told my wife I said listen to that kind of prayer wouldn't you want to listen to that all the time and and then I, I turned to pastor and I said pastor what do you think it would be like if that they were praying praising like that and he would lie on this sofa over here and he would uh, wake up at night and he would hear that kind of praise and you will hear that kind of prayer and, and you would hear that kind of excitement for God and that much power that's what David was experiencing 24 hours of every day I, I want to say ladies and gentlemen there's a stirring in the air there's something that is happening and we're not going to miss this opportunity for anything in the whole wide world you know, I believe that it was even during this time that, that he wrote this and he said, Behold, bless the Lord, all of you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But during all of this, David's wife, Michael, did not join in this ecstasy, but instead mocked him. The entire episode was embarrassing to her. She chose dignity above deity. The result was that a curse of barrenness came on her. Intimate encounters with God are sometimes embarrassing on the stage of humankind. Can I say that again? Intimate encounters with God are sometimes embarrassing on the stage of humankind. Seems to me that when we begin to pray, praise, and worship in the Spirit, that we sometimes act clamorously foolish. But we may be acting clamorously foolish in the eyes of Michaels. 
but in the eyes of God. We're getting the attention of him that matters most. And I want to say this. I want to try and close as quickly as I can. I'm speaking too long. If we are not carrying the blue flame of worship, we have only become another country club. And that does not please God. And he will see to it that flameless churches become as unimportant to people as they are to him. But hear me when I say to you today, the churches in this day that are going to focus their attention on the glory and the presence and the power of God are going to be the ones that will grow and become significant in days to come. I want to say, and I'm skipping, skipping over several things yet. I want to say that we can no longer be satisfied to simply have good services, good music, and good preaching. We must have genuine God encounters. We must entertain the presence of God. And it all starts with our willingness to give up our personal agendas, our own ideas, our own desires, our own wants, and begin to chase after God and learn to entertain His presence. We have to once again learn how to worship in spirit and in truth and remember that it's not about us it's all about him I'm bringing this plane in for a landing I promise you I'm not saying I'm closing yet I'm bringing it in for a landing let me just briefly recap, ladies and gentlemen. The tabernacle of Moses and the temple of Solomon had fences and veils, and no one could enter them. And that's not what God wanted to restore. He didn't want to see a temple or a tabernacle restored that had a veil that was keeping people away. He, he didn't want fences. He didn't want separation. And, and we don't have time for all the details now but if you would look at Acts chapter 15 and you read verses 13 through 17 it, it makes it clear that when God said through the prophet Amos on that day everybody shout out loud again on that day when God said through the prophet Amos on that day I will restore the tabernacle of David and when he said that he was not thinking of pitching another tent somewhere on a mountain. He was talking about birthing the church. Well, about 30% of you got that. Let, let, me, let me try that again. I said, when, when God said, on that day I will restore the tabernacle of David, he was not talking about getting a, a number of poles and another tarp and building another tent somewhere on a mountain. He was talking about birthing the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please listen to me. When at the final moments, just before Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he cried out and he said, it is finished. And the moment he said, it is finished, 
God reached down at that very moment and ripped the veil in the temple from the top to the bottom forever removing the curtain of separation giving access to whosoever will may come he ripped it to the point where it could never be rewoven again because God is not delighted in separation he wants to be with his children he wants us to come into his presence so with a veil ripped apart the separation gone the day had come for the tabernacle of David to be restored in all its fullness in the form of the church of the living God so on that day everybody shout on that day on that day which day the day of Pentecost God sent the promise of the Holy Ghost and in so doing reignited the blue flame of his glory and the church triumphant was born and the tabernacle of David was restored for everybody to come into the very presence of a very real God. Somebody shout and give God praise. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The church was born. A church full of the Holy Spirit and of power. A church suddenly shaken by the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Followed by cloven tongues as of fire. As the glory filled every believer. And they started praying out loud in languages they had never spoken in before. Why? Because the tabernacle is open to every kindred, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The tabernacle has been restored. Whosoever will may come. He gave birth to a church that was not intimidated by the crowds who heard them shout. A church of miracle signs and wonders. A church that was all about him. Today, God is asking. Calvary Assembly. Calvary Assembly. May I restore the tabernacle of my presence within you. May I come and make my habitation with you. Will you open the door for my Shekinah glory? 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.